Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. So I want to finish the book of Malachi and um, so that we can wrap up that series and afterwards um, we can make progress with our study on the local church. Amen. So for those of you who have been coming to the Bible studies, you already know we're in Malachi chapter 3. So we're going to finish Malachi chapter 4. There's a few verses. Let's go to Malachi chapter 4. And... Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. So if you've been following, it's just six verses. If you've been following, you realize that we've been talking about God's response to the nation. Um, Praise God. God's response to the nation and how God uh, began to rebuke the kings and rebuke those, uh, the priests. And afterwards, God began to speak to them about coming back to him and being restored back to him. So in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. Malachi chapter 4. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will stumble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. Verse 2, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like store-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the, on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 4, remember the Lord Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Verse 5, behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now, in the concluding um, verses of Malachi chapter 4, very short verse, God brings out uh, three strong things. Number one, God brings out uh, his coming judgment against the wicked. God brings out his coming judgment against the wicked. And I said something yesterday, uh, on, on Wednesday when I was talking about how God judges sin. And I was very clear about that because that is something, you know, um, uh, myself and my wife, we, we watched uh, a video. I, I'm not sure it was a video. We saw something on the internet. Uh, I think uh, uh, a church that, you know, wanted to have service and ask people to, to come with one coconut each and all that. And um, we're just talking about it. And she, she made a statement. She said, God is very patient. Right? Like, if you were God, you would not even allow your name to be that messed up. Praise God. But you realize that even though we think that way towards people who are obviously erring, 
But when you look at our lives and the way we live, we also take the patience of God for granted. So how does God judge sin? Sometimes we feel that God judges sin immediately just by killing people and all that. No. And I said very clearly to you that one of the ways God judges sin is that he, you, are, you live below God's best for your life. And I gave you the case of Joseph. If Joseph had slept with Potiphar's wife, he would have become probably the head servant in, Joseph, uh, in Potiphar's household. Meanwhile, he was designed by God to become a prime minister. And I'll tell you this, something about sin, right? Nobody, nobody has to find you out. God sees. Praise God. Nobody has to find you out. Nobody needs to know what you're doing. Because ultimately, you're not, doing, you're not being righteous because of me. It's not because of me that you're righteous. You know, somehow, unconsciously, unconsciously in our mind, we actually feel that when we live a good life, it is for the pastor and the church. Absolutely no. A thousand times no. It's for you. It's the seeds that you sow. I will not reap the, the consequences of your choices. Are you following what I'm saying? You will also not reap the consequences of my choices. I will reap the consequences of my choices, whatever those choices are. So God speaks against judgment for the wicked. He releases that word. Number two, he talks about the triumph of the godly. Talks about the triumph of the godly. And then number three, it talks about getting ready for the appearance of the Lord. Talking about the ministry of Elijah. And he was referring to John the Baptist that was going to come. Now, this is very instructive because the book of Malachi is the last book of the, the old, if we want to use the word, the Old Testament now. So, you realize that between Malachi and Matthew, there were 400 silent years. 400 years where there was no divine communication between God and man. And that is why in the last part of Malachi chapter 4, he points them back to the law. Remember the law. Remember the law. He points them back to the law because they were about to enter a period in church history that was called the Dark Ages, where there was no divine communication between God and man for 400 years. And so God points them back to the law. So let's, let's, let's take it... From verse 1 again, Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will stumble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. Now, you realize that in chapter 3, one of the problems that the children of Israel had was that they looked at the prosperity of the wicked and they felt that God wasn't judging the wicked. They felt that God was not being fair. Right? We dealt with that on Wednesday. They felt God was not being fair. And sometimes in our life, we can also have that feeling. You know, we look at people who are doing stuff wrong and it looks like they're prospering. You see, we almost, we have to also come to, our, uh, our, we have to also come to terms with this, right? About our definition of prosperity. Because sometimes our definition of success is material progress. And, 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 and it hinders sometimes our work with God. Because we can only define a successful man by what he's driving, what he's wearing. We don't even care if his family is, you know, we don't even care if his family is scattered. We don't even care if his family is together. We don't care if he has a good relationship with his kids. We don't care about that. And because they had this perception, in chapter 4, verse 1, God tells them that I will judge the wicked. 
There were two fires there. In Malachi chapter 3, it talks about the fire that will purify the sons of Levi so that they can offer an offering of righteousness. But then this fire is a fire for judgment. So God's fire purifies his people for proper service and his fire comes upon the wicked for judgment. Praise God. Are you still here? So we must realize, tell your neighbor, God is still judging sin. And that's very important. We have to, we have to get our minds into this. Because we're almost coming to the place where we are okay and comfortable. And in fact, we don't want anybody to talk to us about sin anymore. We just want to live the way we want and do what we want. And the one question I'll ask you is that if you were not doing the wrong things in your life, where would you be by now in God's plan and purposes for your life? How many of you know that we're going to be accountable to God for what we do with our lives, right? We will be accountable to God. We will. When I was getting married, that's one of the things myself and my wife talked about. Listen, we're married, but you know, ultimately we're going to stand before God independently to give account of our lives. So marriage cannot be an excuse why you're not doing what God is asking you to do. Your children cannot be an excuse. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. You can't say, oh God, I had many children. Because of the seven children you gave me, that's why I couldn't start a church. No? Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? God releases his fire to judge the wicked. And we must understand that God still rewards righteousness. The timing might not be the way we want, but God still rewards righteousness. You realize that, let's say for instance, God judges sin immediately, like bam, somebody sins, he's dead. Somebody sins, he's dead. Somebody sins, he's dead. Bam, bam, bam. You know, like uh, this couple, I mean, coming into church, giving a wrong offering, bam, they carry their dead body. How many of you know a lot more people will live righteously? You don't know? Okay, so you know now. So when I ask you again, you say yes. So how many of you know more people will live righteously? But that righteousness will be out of fear, not out of love. There are many of you today, if they tell you there is no hellfire, you will walk out of church. Because the one reason you are here is because you don't want to go to hell. That's just that fear of burning. That's, that's just it. If there was no heaven and no hell, many people will not serve God. You know why? They don't love God. Yeah. It's sad, but many Christians do not love God. The love of God is not in their heart. Do you know why they are in church? So God can bless them. So God can do something. So God can do something. So God. So it's all about what they can get from God, and there is no consciousness of righteousness towards God. So I can live my life the way I want. God should just bless me. And that, that was what was affecting the children of Israel. They did not see that instant judgment. Praise God. Did you see that instant judgment? And sometimes when God starts judging you, you know, yesterday I had to, <laughs> I had to flog my son very well. I flogged him very, very well. You know, so while I was flogging him, he says, now I understand, sir. Now I understand, sir. Yeah, when he, I knew at that point, understanding had come to his heart. 
So I called him later. I said, do you know why I flogged you? He said, no. So he mentioned something that he did. I said, no, that's not why I flogged you. That thing you did opened your cup of judgment. The cup has been filling up, but this one opened it. So I have to explain to him that I didn't flog you for the incident. I flogged you for your heart towards the incident. And that's the way judgment is. Judgment is not just the action. It's not just because you did something. It is the heart behind it that God is judging. Are you following what I'm saying? And you realize that over time you'll be doing stuff and God will just be ignoring you. And you'll do something and you just imagine that, ah, this is not enough. I've done more wicked things. No, it is not the action. It is not the action. Every time we come before God, he's giving us the opportunity to restart our lives. And let me say this to you, very, especially with pastors and leaders. Any pastor that is publicly exposed because of sin, God had given him a lot of time to repent, and he didn't take that chance. And the public exposure is God's last act of redemption. God will always, not just for preachers, for anybody, God will always give you that opportunity. A message will come. A warning will come. Somebody will speak to you. When you don't judge yourself, you realize that a public embarrassment is the last act of, because at that point now, everybody will judge you. And I want to say, as we conclude this series of Malachi, take proper stock of your spiritual life and set your house in order and make sure that you live right before God. Not because of anybody, not because of anything, but because you are accountable to God for your life. Amen. Amen. Okay, so it says, it was going to burn them, a purifying fire. You can put up Matthew chapter 3, verse 12 for me. Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. Quickly now. Then he goes on to say, he will leave them neither root nor branch. Matthew 3, 12. He's winnowing fine in his hands. And he will thoroughly clean out this, his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the band, but he will burn off the sharp with unquenchable fire. Now he says, he will, Malachi, go back to Malachi 4, 1 now. He will leave them neither root nor branch. What does that mean? If there's a root, the tendency of growing up, will be there. What God wants to do in our life is to totally and thoroughly cleanse us from all iniquity. God wants us to serve him in righteousness. God wants us to serve him in purity. Praise the name of the Lord. And these things, they grow. Don't let your conscience, don't Shut down the voice of your conscience. Many believers will, re- will live right if they listen to the conscience. The voice of your conscience that God is giving to you. Don't make it snare. Don't shut it down. When you have that feeling that this is wrong, I shouldn't be doing this, respond to it. Keep your heart right before God. Verse 2. It says, But to you who fear my name, so God distinguishes now, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. So God says, for those who fear his name, observe the difference now. For those who fear his name, what's going to happen? The son of righteousness is going to arise with healing in his wing. If you go to Psalm 84 verse 11, let's see some places where God refers 
to himself. Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You know, this scripture is a very strong consolation in my life. It says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That means, if I can walk uprightly before God, whatever is good that God needs to get to me, he'll get it across to me. Never think that walking in righteousness, you will not be able to enjoy some good things in life. Don't think so. Don't think so. God knows how to get things sorted. God knows how to get your needs met. God knows how not to withhold good things from us. God is not a wicked God. He's a good God. Praise the name of the Lord. Isaiah, uh, no, let's do, just put up Revelation 20, 22, 16 quickly. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. So God refers to himself. Sometimes God uses the natural things to refer to himself, to describe himself, so that we can have at least an understanding. So God refers to himself as the son of righteousness. And he says, for those who fear his name, he will arise with healing in his wings. Four things is going to happen. Number one, three things is going to happen. Number one, they shall go out. That means they will be free. They will enjoy their liberty. Scripture says here that the Son sets free is free indeed. There is freedom that Christ has brought to us. Praise the name of the Lord. There is a freedom that what? That Christ has brought to us. Number two, they shall grow fat. Which talks about growing strong and being prosperous in the Lord. Which talks about increase. Which, talk, which talks about being nourished by God. That those who fear the name of the Lord will be nourished by God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Those who fear the name of the Lord, God will nourish us. God will take care of us. God will give us the wisdom on how to go about things. We will never lack for direction. Why? Because we fear the name of the Lord. Glory to God. All right. The next one, he said, they shall trample the wicked. What does this mean? They will enjoy the Lord's victory in their life. God will make them victorious. God will give them the capacity to be victorious. The believer is designed to be victorious. The believer is designed to have victory in the affairs of life. And that's something that God wants us to have. God wants us to have absolute victory in every area of our life. And as we fear the name of the Lord, he gives us the strategies for victory. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> you see, let me tell you something. Learn to, learn to rely on God absolutely. You know, some of the, some of the things... Especially when you talk about learning to trust in God and all this. Some of the things we, we practice, it looks childish, but it's absolute reliance on God. Like if you misplace something, what's your first response? Cursing people out or praying about it? It's praying about it. 
Oh, Holy Spirit, I've misplaced this place. Help me find it. And if you'll be hearing the voice of God, he will give you directions on how to go get it. That's true. <laughs> I remember two Sundays ago, we were coming to church, and my wife came back from choir practice. She didn't know where she dropped the key. And uh, we needed to come to church, but we, we have said we'll be in church by 7.15. So around 7 o'clock, we couldn't find the key. So I said, well, let's pray about it. We're going to find it when we come back. So we got on the tricycle and came to church. And um, she went home, prayed about it. And in her spirit, she, she just heard the word pocket. You know, we had actually, because she came in, I went to throw debt away. So I know all the time she was scared if she didn't throw the key, you know, across. But in my heart, I, I'm not sure that was what happened, but I also don't know where it was. So. And um, she just heard the word pocket. And... So she searched her jeans pockets and everything. She went to church and she didn't find it. Then she realized that when she came for choir practice, she wore a small jacket over her. And she put her hands in the pocket of that shirt and she found the key. We would not have searched that shirt. And then it's not like a regular shirt you wear. It's just something you wear on top. So if you want to search, it will not probably come to your mind. You can rely on the Lord for the little things in your life. Rely on him. That's how you start practicing your faith. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Oh God, I need direction in this place. You, I need, what, what, just communicate with God. Let Christianity be an active relationship between you and God. It will help you. Praise the name of the Lord. I said praise the name of the Lord. Okay. So it goes on to say. That they will be nourished. They will trample on the wicked. God will give us victory. Then in, in, in verse 4, Malachi 4.4, 4, go back there now. If you have not been in the Bible studies, please get all the series. We started from Malachi chapter 1. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Remember the law. God points them back to the law. In our day today, we say God is pointing us back to the word. Let's remember God's word. Let's get into the word. Let's immerse ourselves totally in the word of God. Get into the word. Make time for the word. Remember God's word. Don't go a day without studying the word. Don't go a day without putting God's word in your mouth and in your heart. Praise God. I said, praise God. Hallelujah. In, the, in, the, in the early days of my work, when I was believing God to, to prosper me and bring increase my way, I had 50, maybe 50 to 45 scriptures that talks about provision. And I said them every morning, diligently, confess them every morning, confess them every morning, confess them every morning, diligently. You can't get me out of my house without saying those confessions. Glory to God. You're trusting God for healing. You don't yet have healing scriptures. You're trusting God for something. You don't have scriptures about what you're believing God for. <laughs> when we're moving here, and God asked us to give our car, we had it away, and we gave everything away. We just came in to plant the church. One of the scriptures we stood, we stood in, trusting God, and it's a scripture that we've used to furnish our house in over 12 years in ministry. It says, you live in goodly houses that are furnished with all good things. 
And so we take that scripture, we write all the things we need in the house, we pray about it and trust God, and just allow God to sort the things out. There are two ways God can provide for you. He can either give you the money to go buy the thing or he can give the thing to you. So I allow God to determine the method. But get the word of God. Remember the Lord. I don't know how we can survive without God's word. Let me tell you, nothing in this world is eternal. The systems will fail. The jobs will fail. The healthcare facility will fail. Only God's word is eternal. And if you haven't learned to trust in God, it will be difficult to learn to trust in God in the day of adversity. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Okay. So he says, remember the Lord. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 13. Matthew 11, 13. I like this. Somebody learning something this morning? Okay, it says, for all the prophets and the Lord prophesied unto John. All the prophets and the Lord prophesied unto John. Meaning everything in the scriptures was pointing to this one moment in history. What moment is that? The appearance of Jesus the Messiah. It says, all the prophets and all the Lord, the prophesied, they proclaimed unto John. And if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. You remember, if you read down in Malachi chapter 4, it says, I'm going to send Elijah before you. So, what God was saying in Malachi chapter 4, as he was about to close the annals of the Old Testament history, was that the prophets and the law were the valid expression of God in the Old Testament. Remember Moses, and remember, and I'm going to send Elijah before you. Meaning that uh, the law and the prophets were the two instruments God used up until that time. But after that time, God is going to use a new instrument. And what is that instrument? It's going to be the voice of Jesus. That is why it is very erroneous to try to build a New Testament church based on a lot of Old Testament practices. And what we find in this part of the world is that we like the Old Testament practices because they are close to our culture. You know, if I say, let's stand up right now and let's pray, right? You know, if I'm just going to pray, oh God, Father, we thank you. Especially in a church like ours, the world church, we just, oh Father, thank you, Father, thank you, Father, thank you. you know? And then, if I say, well, let's shout the name of Jesus seven times and turn around four times and pray. You see, people's, people's mind will just come up. Mm-hmm. Now we have started praying. You know why? They just like that whole Jesus seven times, hallelujah four times, blood of Jesus six times. You see, it's not the times that make it work. I'll repeat that again. It's not the number of times that make it work. I'll say it again. It's not the number of times you call the name of Jesus that makes it work. Sometimes calling it many times means he's not hearing you. I'll repeat that again. Sometimes calling his name many times means that he is not what? Hearing you. How did Jesus multiply five loaves and two fishes? Father, I thank you that you always hear me. 5,000 fishes. You're just trying to multiply one error. You're calling him 10 times. Go walk on your faith. Because you know, in the times of danger, you might not even have the energy to call Jesus 10 times. Go walk on your faith. You're calling him 10 times because you're not in problem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't have anything against calling Jesus 10 times. But you know, 
the, the kind of energy generates in us shows the height of unbelief. And sometimes, let me just explain this to you. You know why some of those things work? It's because already, immediately they give you that action. Your faith is up already. And it's your faith that just gets it to work. That is why sometimes you realize that, ah, uh, I just said my time is gone. But you see, let me give you this example. When Jesus caused the fig tree, right, he just wanted fruit from the tree, and there was no, tr there was no fruit. He just said, no man will eat fruit from thee anymore. Seven words or eight words. And that was it. The Bible says the next day, the Bible says the fig tree was dried from his roots. You know, Jesus never said, I curse you, I curse you, I curse. No, he didn't do that. He just said words. He just talked. And, be <laughs> and because there was already faith on the inside of him, his regular words just worked. When you grow to the point where I'm telling you, you will not just say things. Because things you say will just come to pass. And that's why if you're around me, anybody who stays around me, they know I'm conscious of words. Why? Because I'm just conscious of, listen, what you're saying, actually, you were originally designed to have everything you say. The fact that you're not having what you say right now is far from God's mind. There was nothing Jesus wanted that he said that he didn't get. And why in his image. That's why some people will never rise beyond the level of their confession. They confess right in church, but when they start telling stories, all kinds of stuff. In fact, we got to the point in our faith work where we want to use some examples. We, can't, we don't even try to use ourselves as an example. We can shift the example somewhere. Why? We're just conscious of our words. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Let me wrap this up. And... Uh, so we see that John the Baptist was the Elijah that was to come. He came in the spirit of Elijah. We can find out in Luke chapter 1 verse 17. Jesus said, if you can receive it, the Elijah is to come. The Jews were waiting for Elijah. <laughs> Luke 1 17. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. <clears throat> so what God said in Malachi chapter 4 about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers was prophetically fulfilled through the ministry of John the Baptist. Because he came in what? In the spirit and in the power of Elijah. Why is it in the spirit and in the power of Elijah? Because Elijah had reformatory capacity. Elijah was one of the prophets who turned the whole nation from serving Baal to serving God. And that's what John the Baptist came to do. He came to turn the whole nation back to God. And so he came in the spirit of Elijah. Let's see something in the Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 3. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 3. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. This was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. So Moses represented the Lord. Elijah represented the prophets. Okay? Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. <laughs> this guy always has suggestions in ministry. 
while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Praise God. What was God saying in this point? God was saying that the dispensation of the Lord and the dispensation of the prophets was over. Now it is a dispensation of Christ. So we listen to Christ right now. That is why when the disciples asked Jesus, should we call down fire like Elijah did, Jesus rebuked them and says, you know not what manner of spirit you are made up of. Why? Because Elijah is no longer a model. Moses is no longer a model. Jesus is now a model. Praise the name of the Lord. And you see some people who are now saying that they are the Elijah of our time. A little Bible study will help. Because God said we shouldn't listen to Elijah. We should listen to Jesus. Praise God. Am I right? So you can't be the Elijah of our time. Because on the mountain, Jesus says, listen to Jesus. God said to, for us to listen to Jesus. So God, send your power down like it was in the day of Elijah. No. The guy used power to kill people. It's not what we want. We want power that will turn people from darkness to light. And some people say, well, if people have not seen strong things, they will not come to Christ. No, it's the gospel that brings people to Christ, not strong things. He didn't say go into all the world and show them strong things. He says go in, into all the world and do what? And preach the gospel. People should come to Christ because they have a knowledge of salvation, not because you killed their uncle. Is that okay? Yes, sir. Is that okay? Yes, the gospel is God's method of salvation, not power. The gospel. That is why even though people who have experienced miracles, they can still backslide. Because power doesn't convert. The gospel does. The most wicked people that spoke against God the most were the Israelites. And they saw the most miracle. Have you ever seen a Red Sea parted? Like you just imagine get to the jetty and they say you don't have booking. And God says stretch your rod. <laughs> and you walk past. Ah! If I want people in the boat to come down and worship you. But you realize those guys, they still served a golden calf. And they said this was the calf that, that brought us out of Egypt. Never converted. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why people who genuinely heard the gospel and accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, their Christianity is a bit different than those who they brought into church because of problems. The one they brought into church, you, you know, you don't have a child. Come and have a child. They give child. Ah, my husband is misbehaving. You see that they always have something. Every month, there's always a project. Problem, project, problem, project, problem, project. Pro because their version of Christianity is just that. Solve, 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 solve. But if you hear the gospel, you will know that the primary reason Jesus came was to save your soul from sin. And in that state, you maintain an eternal gratitude when you remember what Christ has done. You are always grateful. Some people need to be repreached to so they can accept the Lord properly. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. Hebrews 1 1, and we'll close there. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. 
God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the words. Praise the name of the Lord. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image, the express image, the character of God, the express image of his person. So Jesus is the one who reveals who God is to us exactly, not Elijah, not Moses. Praise God. Jesus is. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself paused our sins, sat down at the right hand of a majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. So God is calling us to a new walk with him. Righteousness. And purity before the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's bow our feet and let's pray. Father, we thank you. We honor you, Jesus. And we just pray that the word of God will come alive and come strong in our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.